Hey, good to see everybody. Hey, can we give a can we get a shout out to God for that amazing baptisms? Yeah. Wow. I'm so upset that John gets to do all of them, so I'm just going to come off the stage one day and just do them. But that was amazing. That's about 38 we've done, and we've been doing it spontaneously. So God's doing amazing things here. But you guys, thank you so much for your prayers and what we've been, going, what we've been doing here. But hey, how many were involved in our um, Thanksgiving feast? If you didn't raise your hand, I'm sorry you missed out. I'm talking about some good <laughs> food. It was so good, I didn't eat nothing until Saturday night. It was amazing. It was a great time. And those who helped cook, you guys were amazing. I'm so glad we're part of a church that don't go to Walmart. They get out the kitchen. Praise God. So it was an amazing time, though, really, is, is for the holidays, and it was amazing. Thank you for that. Those are things, guys. I want to just give you a little plug in that. When we do things like that, it's about fun and fellowship. Don't miss those moments because everybody needs that type of uh, push. Everybody needs that encouragement of one another. We laughed so hard and had a great time. Some guys gave me some, a new nickname. I'll share that next week. Um, and that's okay because I'm not ready to talk about it yet. But uh, we had a great time. And uh, don't ever miss those type of things. But it's good to be back here. It's been going for a couple of weeks. And we're going to finish our Unwavering series today. And we're going to finish with a word that's probably not on your lips a lot, but you might not even think about it. And usually when we do a, uh, a, a message on faith or a series on faith, we start with this. But I felt like the Lord said, put everything together and end with this. Because we're going into the holidays season now, talking about Christmas. And today we're going to talk about a word that probably for a lot of us might be foreign, but a lot of things that but God has us do is called covenant. Unwavering covenant. It's kind of missing today, the word covenant commitment, all those things. And the reason why we want to go on that, because I'm seeing a lot of things today in society. One thing about covenant is permanent, the way God has built it with us. But have you noticed today a lot of people are kind of on edge, kind of angry, don't know why they're angry, uh, voicing their opinions, not even softly, just, <sighs> right? We've been noticing on Facebook and we see it in the newspaper, we see it online, and even the news is angry. I mean, you kick a guy out of, out of the White House, that's serious, man, you know. But, you know, but what it is, I'm seeing a whole big thing. There's a lot of broken expectation in our nation. And everybody has a, bond, has a little subline that's right there. You disappointed me. You made a promise, and you didn't carry it out. And I am, my expectations is found. I'm going to get rid of you and get someone who will give me what I want or a promise. A lot of missed expectations. Kind of put all our money in certain things and it doesn't really pan out, so you become disappointed. You know, sometimes we do that with God. Put all our hope in God and he doesn't work the way you think he should work. And you get disappointed in him, but you shouldn't get disappointed in him. You ought to get disappointed in your lofty expectations. And we're seeing a lot of anger. So when we get into this word covenant, we see that we serve a God that everything he says he does. Everything he says he does. So the word covenant, I want to give you a, a definition of it. It means this. Covenant is a binding agreement or promise, usually between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. Now, how with the God that we serve, how he deals with us relationally is through covenant. If you read all through the Bible, all the way from, the, all the way from uh, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, God always built a relationship with man or with a person or entity on covenant. And you look at, you saw Noah, he built 
Adam, he built, he had a covenant. Noah, he had a covenant. David, he had a covenant. Palestinians, he had a covenant. And now we're in the new covenant as man. But the one we're going to talk about is the Abrahamic covenant. He made a covenant with Abraham. Why is that so critical? Because we all are affected by the covenant of Abraham. Now, this might be new to you, and that's okay. You go home and you start. Well, with the scriptures we're going to go through, we're going to do a lot of scriptures, guys. So get your Bibles out, ready to go. I'm not going to say what Richard, I'm going to go with what the Bible says. But there's something missing. I want us to get out of this today. I want us as believers not to walk around anymore in survival mode, to walk around in, in assurity mode. Because sometimes you, you can live our life just trying to get to the next thing or, you know, God and he needs to show up. And we kind of forget that we already have everything that he, he said he's going to give us. And we build our lives off these expectations that he never said was going to happen. And we can go into survival mode. And what happens when you go in survival mode, you kind of turn inward. And then this thing called church gets boring. So I'm going to go Genesis chapter 15, verses 17 through 18. Genesis chapter 15, verses 17 through 18. It says this, when the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I will give, I'll give this land from the river of Egypt to the river, to the great river, the river of Euphrates. Now, there's another teaching on this. God's taking them, even you see the birth words, first time you see in Euphrates is really in the Garden of Eden. I don't have the time to go there, but you'll see whether God actually cut a covenant with Abraham. Now, looking at the context of this, remember Abraham starts in Genesis chapter 12. He's called out, go to a land which I'm going to show you. He steps out in faith. He's 75 years old. He steps, he stumbles, he gets back up. He gets all the way to chapter 14. He had to save one of his nephews. 15, this is the first time you hear about the tithe, him tithing. 15, he goes, and he's asking God, God comes to him and said, look, I'm going to be your shield, and you're going to inherit everything. And Abraham said, well, how am I going to know that? Now, the only way that Abraham could understand in those days was called a covenant. So they would take animals, and they cut them in half. And you'll see that you can read up really read. They actually cut a few, they cut some things in half, put it on either side. See that there? You see it up in, the, up in verse and verse 7, they had a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old. They cut them in half, and they lay them out, and there's a blood trail. And what we would do in those days, we would walk, if me and you were in covenant, I'll say me and Will was in covenant, we would walk down that blood trail, get to the end of that, and then we had a binding agreement. Now, the only way to get out of that agreement is by death. And I think it's Jeremiah 34, 18 says, You'll look just like them animals if you fail on that covenant. Now, to mean, and the Bible says to cut, means permanent. In modern terms today, we call that a handshake. Remember, I mean, I grew up on the days of a handshake. Remember when a handshake meant something? In fact, my dad would say, if a man shook your hand loosely, don't trust him. Don't give me a friend. So I tell her something. You better give me a firm grip, bro. I tell you what, if not, ah, look him in the eyes. And it missed something. Now we have contracts. 
But we have lawyers to break contracts. But marriage is a covenant. That's how much God deals with marriage. Now, there's only one way out of marriage. Not divorce. Amen? Death. I can say that because I know. It's stipulated in my marriage. Right, honey? And you told me I can pick it any way I want to. I can go naturally. I can go abrasively. I'm okay with that. Amen, right? That's it. So, I mean, really. But a covenant. And God cut a covenant. You see what happened is, and what they, I'll give you a background, they did a covenant in those days. Now, usually two men will walk through that, or two parties or three parties will walk through that. God gave Abraham, Abraham put him deeply asleep, and God showed him a lot of things. He showed him about the children of Israel going to go in captivity for over 400 years, and then they come out, and he showed him a whole lot of other things. But then he did this, and we see in verse 17, there was a smoke and flame that went through the middle. That means God cut the covenant by himself. That means he's liable to bring it to pass. God in his mercy knew we weren't qualified or even good enough to ratify that covenant. He ratified it himself. And it's very important for us as believers today. There's a presence of God going down that. Uh, says, guess what? I, and it says, God cut the covenant. Abraham didn't. I want to help you with this. It's unconditional covenant. The only condition is on our side is salvation. To receive the inheritance is conditional. The inheritance is unconditional. Tracking with me? Some of this might be new to you, some of you. And we're going to unpack this. If you take a note, the very first thing you want to write, God is trustworthy. Remember, I said God ratified the covenant. It's unconditional. That means he is responsible to bring it to pass. A lot of us try to do things that God should be doing. And we get disappointed because we think, oh, I'm supposed to do this. But here's the thing why God is trustworthy. First one, God's word and promises never fail. They never fail. Look at Joshua 21, 45. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came <clears throat> to pass. What, what Joshua was saying here, because God was remembering his covenant with the children of Israel. They came out of bondage. Joshua took them into the promised land. God promised them an inheritance, the land. They went to their lands. Now, did they have some bumps on the road? You better believe it. Did they fail? You better believe it. Now, get to that part. But God, he got in the end of his days and said, God, everything you said is true. Everything you declared, you've done. This is the God we serve. He's a great God. Everything God says over your life is true. It's amazing when you look at it that way. Everything. Now, where we live today is the land of circumstance. We judge God moving by what we want. 
But in the midst of circumstances, how many believe we're in chaos right now? Our nation seems like it's in chaos. Right. But one thing about chaos, God stays constant. He is consistent. Hebrews 13 8 says, I think it's 18, says this. I'm saying yesterday, today, and forever. He stays constant. Every time I have circumstances, Moses has circumstances, Joshua has circumstances. Guess what? God didn't change. God doesn't change. If I don't have no money in the bank, God doesn't change. I just don't see the blessing coming yet. He doesn't change. That's the one thing we can hold on to. What people are upset about, you've changed. This changed. I don't like change. Problem is, you're putting all your hopes and your dreams in something that will let you down. People, the economy, identity, who let you down? I would let you down. I'm good at it. Stick around with me for about a few weeks. I'll let you down. And God says, I'll never let you down. Joshua, you guys, I had to help you get there. He says this. Now, despite that, he keeps his promises. Now, here's the thing I love about it because it helps me. His covenant stands despite my doubts. Despite my doubts. In Genesis 15, 2, Abraham said, God, how's this going to happen? I don't have any children, and I have an heir in my house, and he should be. Is he the one that's going to happen? He said, no, I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you a child. Don't worry about it. Even in my doubt, his covenant still stands. He still does what he does. Abraham didn't believe it. Chapter 16, him and his wife had a plan. Let's help God out with Ishmael. You ever help God out? You build something that he didn't build? Now you stuck with it, but you're mad at him? He's not responsible to tear down what you built. You built it, you destroy it. I didn't build it. God, I'm in this jam. I didn't put you there. What about this wife? Well, you picked her. I got him. <laughs> God, you know, that wife you gave me? Uh, now you're going to blame me and her? Eve must have been hot. I'm here before God, and I know he was, she was looking like him. Oh, I can't wait to get you behind the bush. Because we blame, right? Blaming God. You know, before then, everything was perfect. You ate it. In fact, you were in charge of it. Ah, here you go. Oh, Lacey, yeah. yeah. You were in charge of it. You were in charge of her. And you watched that snake tear it up. See? God stays faithful. He messed up. That's why God cut the covenant on himself to say, I'm responsible for making it through. Now, here's something we don't like to hear, but you need to hear it anyway. God does not need us. He prefers us. He didn't need Abraham to do it right. He preferred it. He prefers to walk with us. Don't ever think you're God's gift to anything. You're not. He doesn't need us. He prefers us. That's his mercy and his grace. Why? Because he knows we're frail and we will mess up. That's why he did it on his own. Remember Job? How many remember the story of Job? How many ever read Job? Everybody's afraid. I don't want to be like Job. We're living like Job now. Job said this. God, he asked God a lot of questions. 
And God never gave him an answer, but he said this in Job 42.2. I know that you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Nothing. Even when I'm dealing with doubts, God's covenant stays. His promises stay. Even when I have run low on faith, I love what it says in 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains, because he doesn't change, faithful. For he cannot deny himself. What are you saying, Pastor Rich? What I'm saying is it's impossible for God to do against his character. His character is always truth. Truth. That's what he does. It's impossible to go against his character. What he says, he does. God doesn't make promises to break them. You know how we make some promises to people? And we really didn't mean it. We just wanted to get out of the room. And then, well, they would understand. I grew up like this. The, first, the worst spankings I ever got was a lie. My dad said, look, and this is what he told me. God's word is his bond. Your word better be your bond. If I even hear about you lying. Now, when I got caught in trouble, they always ask you the rhetorical question. They already know what you did wrong. But I had this habit of saying, I don't know. And my mother said, oh, this is going to be bad for you. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so bad for you. You don't know. You know why you did it? Because you enjoyed it, Jesus said. You really enjoyed it, didn't you? Right? Don't we get like that when we sin? We really, I don't know how I got here. You know how you got here? You enjoyed that relationship. You enjoyed sin until sin caught you. Now, God don't spank you. He redeems it. But my parents, they redeemed me all right. But I tell you what, it was too. I said, more mercy, Lord, not justice. But it's against his character. Numbers 23, 19 says this. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Lord, I will change my mind when it gets tough. You really, I, you know, when you're doing something for God, you say, God, that's it. I'm looking for that loophole. Just, just send somebody my way and say, God said, go the other way. I'm so you're all perfect. He said, and he will, uh, he said, has he said and will not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? It's Moses. He don't lie. Man lies. See, people are upset today because of lies. They believe the lie not the truth. And we put all our hopes in lies and we want it to be truth, but it isn't. Apart from the God's word, it's not truth. Make sense? The Bible says this, there's something that's impossible. God's all powerful. There's something impossible for him to do. It says in Hebrews 6, 18, it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. It's unchanging nature. His nature is not the lie. His nature is truth. Make sense? Now, I'm going to give you a uh, a, uh, give you a, uh, a uh, example about man lying. Put this up. What we have here. Hi, honey. I forgot to tell you I had this. This is called, well, I called her the golden goose. Ms. Donna called her the golden bullet. But the goose slash bullet was a family member of GPC. 
1996, we got this car from Okinawa, Japan. We bought it here and picked it up in Dallas, Texas. And the goose was amazing. Every men's ministry, the goose was needed. Get us to the football games, get us up to Dow, go to the baseball games. We never went to a Dallas Cowboy game. But we went to baseball. I'm sorry, I had to put that in. Baseball game. And then the goose, 17 years, the goose was amazing. Then the goose had to give up the ghost. <laughs> and this is the picture here that we brought it to the Toyota dealer, and he's supposed to give us money for it. And I took a picture of Miss Donna was, it was uh, gnashing of teeth. The goose was leaking stuff we never seen before. But we got into the parking lot, and the man came out, and he looked at me. He looked at us. I said, how much? He said, he said, Pastor, he said, Mr. Brown, I'll just give you $200 to drag it off. I said, yeah, hey, bro, it's fine. It's fine. That's the goose, man. Goose, you know, long live the goose. <laughs> well, the goose was full of warranties. Every time I took it somewhere, I had a warranty on brakes, on engine, everything. Now, here's the thing about the goose. No one thought we'll keep the goose this long. So when I had my warranty, the brakes went out. I said, yeah, I'm going over there to get my brakes. They're free. Um... And I know they looked at, he still has that car. <laughs> uh, Mr. Brown, it's not really, no, wait, wait, it says, well, no, we, um, I said, no, it's, uh, no, that's only for pads and not, ro- what? no, 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 it says full replacement. Well, I, I, I'll give you a deal. Yeah, no, no, okay. So they didn't think about it. I said, and they gave me a new warranty. Well, guess what? Goose was back. And I know they were hiding. Oh, no, here comes Mr. Brown. Get out of here. Right? The goose was long-lasting. And every warranty I went to, to check in and redeem, they changed their mind. Not an option to get upset, which I did. But you know, it's our lives where we live. We put all our stock in things that would change their minds. And the God who never changes his mind, we kind of keep away from. His warranty never runs out. This Bible, from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation, is called the Book of Redemption. The Crimson Thread of Redemption is all about redeeming man. It's not old. It's, not, it's not, never going to be old. It's always fresh. Man will change his mind. But God's not man. And don't judge God by your father. Don't judge God by people. Judge God by God. Why? Because God placed the whole responsibility of the fulfillment of the covenant on himself. Because he knew we would change our mind. He knew we're frail. We will fall short. We will fail. But the grace of God is, it's not dependent upon you, Rich. It's dependent upon me. The pressure's on the promise keeper, not on you. I love this scripture here in Hebrews 6, 13 and 14. But when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to sway, swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and I will multiply you. It's the greatest thing about that. When they had the greater and the lesser for them to go ahead and go through, the line is always someone greater going through the covenant with you, and that lesser will go through. God said, there was no one greater than me, so I swore by myself. And I'm not going to put that on you because you're frail, you'll slip, you'll fail, you're not going to do well, and you're going to get all caught up in that. 
But here's the thing. All through that, because he loves us so much, he made us the offspring of Abraham. You are the offspring of Abraham. Now, this word here can be hard for you because you think the church is just coming here and getting a couple sermons, but we don't want to understand who we are and who's behind us. We are the offspring of Abraham. Galatians 3, 7 through 9 says this, I know that is, <clears throat> I know then that as those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, some of, you, some of your translations say the children of Abraham, we're his ch- children. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he's talking about salvation, justified by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. God preached the gospel. What did he preach? Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to take the sins of the world. He's going to die. He's going to raise up. He's going to be new believers. Abraham, you need to know that. You're not, it's all contingent upon you. What Abraham saw was us sitting here today. He preached the gospel. Last time I checked, the gospel is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. Beforehand, it's saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So those who are faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, the very seed of Abraham was Christ. And those who are in Christ are his offspring. Didn't say springs, spring. We're the offspring of Christ, which is connected to Abraham. And the blessings are ours. Now, Pastor Rich, what are those blessings you're talking about? Let me look, give you Galatians 3.16. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say it is offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, to your offspring. If you don't believe me on this, Matthew 1, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, the genealogy of Christ. That is what that is. The very genealogy of Christ. Um, Abraham's at the very beginning. And with God made a new covenant through Jesus' death and resurrection, which he extended his promises, believe it or not, to those who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's the condition. The covenant is unconditional. The inheritance is conditional. You just can't be any old way and expect to get anything. If you don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not just Savior, not just save me out of all my mess, but Lord of my life, then the blessings is yours. The inheritance is yours. Now, it's not what you think it is. It's not what you think it is. Galatians 3.29 says this, If you are in Christ, then Abraham's offspring... Then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We are the children. We're blessed and we're heirs according to God's promise. That's us in a nutshell. Those who are in Christ are part of Abraham's offspring. It's understandably hard to believe. What was those blessings? Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 2. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and go and in you and you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth should be blessed. Talking about the church. Now, we get caught up in the blessings, cars, money, relationships. What he's saying, how we're going to be blessed to be a blessing 
is when we take the gospel, Matthew 28, 19, and go make disciples. My next door neighbor will be blessed when they become a disciple of Christ. Because they won't be chasing material, they'll be chasing God. Now, we want, our, we want our city to change. We want our neighborhoods to be safe. And what God is saying, since you have received the gospel, now preach the gospel. And preach good news to those outside of you. On your campus, in your community, in your neighborhood, on your job. We don't understand, Pastor Rich. They took prayer out of school. No, they didn't because they didn't rip it out of your chest. Well, I don't have the Ten Commandments up there. Well, they don't need them. You're there. See, what we build our life on this organizational thing and think the organization let us down. No, they didn't. The covenant's still real. If you're a Christ follower, you have the gospel inside of you. What does it say, Paul say? Jesus in you, the only hope of glory on the planet. That's the secret now. We think, oh, it's all about me. No. You have Jesus in you, and your neighborhood needs hope. Our campuses need hope. Our governor needs hope. Everything needs hope. And the only hope is the people who have hope. But here's the problem with the enemy does us. He sows need into us. We spend all our time in self-preservation. My car, my relationship, my position as long as I can sow you into that, you won't care less about them. And we'll have prayer services. Pray for my ankle. It's healed. Now, can we pray for boldness? Well, we can't, brother, because I'm not ready yet. Well, I'm still limping. Well, keep limping and go over there and tell them how good God is. Come on, right? And the blessing is in us because when you help somebody, you see someone get baptized, it's hard to preach when people get baptized and not be excited. It's hard. I'm, I'm restraining myself right now. Why? Because I'm seeing life transformation. And I didn't come here to get three songs and a good word. I am the word. And here's the thing. If we're so caught up in need, and we're so caught up in receiving, we'll never be knowing that we are the revival that the earth is needing right now in the church, in the world. Guys, there's no plan B. We're it. Even with your bumps, your disappointed life, whatever you think is disappointment, your failures, and I have a, I have a lot of them. In fact, mine gets to play out in public. My shortcomings, God says, I did a covenant for you guys to share the gospel. You want to be blessed? We are blessed to be a blessing. What do you mean you're blessed? I'm blessed. I don't feel blessed. Doesn't mean the truth says you're blessed. Doesn't matter what you think or what you say. You're blessed. Blessed to be a blessing. But we're caught up in receiving versus giving. And we think if we receive, I'll be happy. We're never happy get receiving because we weren't created that way. We were created in the very image of God to give. That's why Christmas is the most happiest place on the planet. Supposed to be, used to be. Now everyone's a little angry. And here's the opportunity to say, you know something? I want, you know, you need help carrying that. 
Hey, you know some receptions, you're amazing. Do you know the gospel? In fact, I got, I got, a, I got a new card. With, I, I want to invite you to my church because you need some friends. You're amazing for serving us. But if I'm all caught up on getting what I need to get and God didn't give me a car and he didn't give me the relationship I want and this all failed and we, we become a, a bunch of, we talk about failures and we, we celebrate and sing songs about how much we fail. I'm a worm. Yeah, that's cool, but you are born again. You are God's child. You are blessed. You have an inheritance. Here's my inheritance, guys. It's not the car. It's not the greatest thing. It's salvation. That's what he's talking about. The greatest gift we receive today, I'm born again. On my worst day, here's what it is. I'm not going to hell. But people don't know they're going to hell. And I don't want to go to a whole life disconnected from God. You feel that? That's why we can celebrate. Because I'm on footing of a covenant. I'm not needy. Yeah, I'm needy as a person. I need to belong. So I'm going to start belonging to God. And then God will bring whoever I need to belong to. Let's take my last point. We spend our time trying to be perfect. And see, here, we think we can get perfect. We'll show up to church. Hey, if I just show up to church three times a month, I'll be okay. Now, God's promises are not inherited through perfection. They're inherited through faith, obedience, and patience. And those three words no one likes to preach on anymore because it's not friendly. Faith. That's what Abraham, he couldn't beat it. He's the father of faith. James 22.2 says this. You see that faith was active along with his works. Faith was completed by his works. This is James talking about Abraham. Now, Abraham had a faith that he had to operate in. His faith qualified, his actions qualified his faith. You ever hear someone has faith? Oh, I got faith to do that. And they don't do nothing. You're quite, you know what you have? You have mental assent. I believe, but I'm not going to do it. You have to have works that qualify your faith. They'll tell you by your faith. You'll show up by your faith. Not by fake faith. When anyone says the world, no, the, this is a perfect opportunity for us. Everything's going south. Praise God. I can't hide anymore. Praise God. My campus is a wreck. Praise God that you're there at this moment and this time. Oh, the economy's not good. Well, teach them how to tithe. Teach them. They're in your neighborhood. When's the church going? You are the church. We're not a joke. We're the church. Hebrews 6.15, because Abraham had faith, he obeyed. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now, was he, let me tell you about Abraham's patience. It was not perfect. It was proficient. He failed, he got back up. He failed, he went downhill, God picked him back uphill. Why? Because I prefer you to be the one that pushed it for Noah, he failed. Everyone got, the only one that didn't fail was Jesus. He didn't fail. That's us. I fail all the time. But God's grace says, get back in the game. It's not contingent on you. I got you covered. It wasn't perfect, it was proficient. 
Here's God's unchanging plan for you. It was a nation. Because here's a, here's a situation. That scripture I read you in, 20, in Joshua 24, 15, said the people, God gave them the land. They went and he gave them peace and he gave them rest. The problem is they rested in their houses. They rested on their laurels. And it says later on, two more, I mean, the next book over, Judges, is a two generations that didn't know Jesus. Two generations that didn't know Jesus. Why? They rested so much they didn't even share. When's the last time you shared your faith with anybody? We're in that season now. We don't like millennials, but we created them. But they're the fastest people on the planet. And they need to see us, my season generation, saying, yeah, God is amazing. God is good. We've been through some bumps. I got some bumps. I got some scars. I got everything else. Come on, let's go. Now hear me say it and don't do it. And, I, you know, I just go to church to, to get the excitement. Great. Sideshow. Go to circus. I act like circus sometimes anyway. It's not about spectating. It's about being the church. That's what's exciting about it. God has a sense of humor. He picked me. <laughs> Y'all saying, I don't know how he did that either. I don't even, I'm so surprised at it. People in Jeremiah 29, 11, and 70 years in, in captivity. Church has been captivity for the last two decades. Because we forgot this. We've been in captivity. We've been capped off by our need. And we want to pick superstars to be our heroes. And you're the hero sitting in the room. Tebow. No, he's great. He has a camera, but you're the hero. Your neighborhood, your campus, you're the hero. It says, if I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not evil, to give you a future and a hope, a true future and a hope. That's today's word for the church today. God has a plan, but if we don't obey, we don't walk in faith, we don't obey, and have patience, we'll never see this plan declared. This generation that need to be touched. So we'll, we, when we leave this, this room, this place is full. We're young people. My neighborhood would be changed because we don't need we don't need the neighborhood watch because they're all watching each other with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't need no more, we don't need to complain anymore. Because we are the change to the complaints. And I don't need anybody to go to the White House to pray for anybody. I just need to pray on my street and share the gospel. That's who we are. That's who you are. That's a tough message to preach because we want to not be that. Because we believe, eh, it's just church. We're not, you know, I hate people when they say, well, the church is weak. Well, you're weak. Because what do you got to look forward to? And look at your life. Why don't you look, look in the mirror and see where you are? Look where you are. And you call that good? I call that terrible. And I call you lonely. Because you're so complaining about what the church is doing. Well, you're by yourself. Amen? Not being, I'm not trying to be, I'm up here. I'm just trying to help people. It ain't working for you. My own ideas don't work for me. Only gospel. Covenant. 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 It's 
now, marriages and relationships. Amen. Amen. Good Lord. Woo. Thanks, guys. We went a couple minutes over, and I knew my, my service director said we will because I talk too much. But, um, guys, how many are leaving town for Thanksgiving? Keep your hands up. Anyone else going to be in town? All right. Let me pray for you right where you are. Father, I thank you right now for our family that's going on the road. Father, I thank right now that you will send your angels and take charge over them, God. Nothing will come near them or around them, Lord. Let them go and enjoy, Father. Let them be uh, virus carriers of your glory. Wherever they're going, let this be the greatest, greatest Thanksgiving they ever had. Remember, they are the seed that the people need. And we thank you for them. Bring them home safely. Bring them back home safely. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen and amen. Guys, come up and say thank you. Uh, come congratulate them. You are dismissed.